Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 213. I tell my students all the time, you have to be passionate about what you want to do. You need to love your work. Don't worry about the money. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Klaus Schnitzer. Klaus, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Actually, I prefer to jump out of the car when I crash. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Remember the 50s? Have a little faith in me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm using a six-point belt. Okay, well, then we're going to be good to go. I appreciate that. Glad you came prepared. Klaus Snitzer is an internationally renowned automotive photographer and writer. He's a professor in the Department of Art and Design at Montclair State University, and he's the director of photography in their photographic program. Assignments take him all over the world that have resulted in books, feature articles, and more than 110 cover photographs for national and international publications. His work can be found in numerous private collections as well as the Museum of Modern Art and other museums all around the world. His name appears on the masthead of Bimmer, Roundel, and Sports Car International magazines along with many other worldwide publications, advertisements, and commercial accounts. Klaus, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, I'm an immigrant. I came over as a 13-year-old in 57 on a boat past Ellis Island, which had closed a few years earlier. And I actually did a 10-year project for the restoration of Ellis Island. I produced a major show for the opening. Oh, wow. And my grandfather was the first person in our town to have a car back in the 20s. When I came here, the first thing I remember is all these trucks with all the lights. It, looked like, it was at Christmas time. They looked like Christmas trees lit up. Sure. My uncle, they had a 57 Chevy Bel Air. And that's still the iconic car for me. And I just remember drawing cars in study hall. It's hard to figure out exactly where these things start. But in the study hall, I'd be drawing cars. My first car was a 1954 Studebaker Silverhawk. Cool. And I borrowed the money from my younger brother, and I cut a big hole in the floor to put a first floor shift in. And I put seatbelts in. And it used to come with a six, and somebody dropped a V8 in it. And then I crashed it two weeks later. Oh, no. 
you know, <laughs> I'm lucky I had a seatbelt. That was a good part. Yes, absolutely. That's how the whole thing started. Wow, fantastic. Well, you got involved in photography and you ended up being a professor in art and so forth. So before we get into some of the questions I have for you here and that first question about an inspirational quote, what brought you down the path of photography? Well, I went to SUNY Albany University Center in my undergraduate degrees in uh, social and political science. And I started working for the student newspaper. And this was the mid-60s, lots of demonstrations, Vietnam War, Dow demonstrations. So I photographed the student paper, and I just got very, very excited about photography. And besides that, I also photographed rock and roll concerts. I just had a big show. I had photographed Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, a lot of jazz greats. So it was, it was a good time. Wow. So I just had two shows with my rock and roll and folk and jazz music wow. images. Wow. Well, you've done things all across the board then. This is really fantastic, aside from automobiles, which I love your automotive photography. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in your life and forming your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Jazz. So, Klaus? Take the wheel. Well, I tell my students all the time, you have to be passionate about what you want to do. You need to love your work. Don't worry about the money. And I've been very lucky that I, this is my 43rd year of teaching, and I still love it. The students are great. I mean, you can take the bureaucracy and all the meetings. I can do without. <laughs> but the teaching part, I still enjoy. And I still love to hang out at the back of a car and photograph cars and find interesting collectors. So it's been very, very enjoyable. It's been a very good ride so far. Well, it sounds like it. And I've had many guests on the show who are artists in some way, either photographers, painters, sculptors, who are also professors. So I would take that the the income from teaching helps provide a means for you to get involved in your passion that it sounds like a hobby that's turned into another profession, if you will. Well, it's really difficult nowadays as a content provider to live over the magazines pay. You know, yep. that's very difficult. So having another income gives me a lot of flexibility in terms of I can do the jobs I like to do. Absolutely. My, my wife is Austrian, so we go to Austria every two years. So I always get press cars, and I can do historic events in Europe. So it permits me to build my portfolio and have some incredible experiences. Well, I love so many aspects of this because on top of being a professor, you're an entrepreneur in all these other ventures and the fact that you figured out a way to wrap that passion for cars, photography, into things you do in your life. I mean, the fact that you go to Europe and you get press cars and you get to combine that into stories and articles, it's incredible. I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> well, luck is uh, luck. usually is a combination of a lot of hard work and opportunity when they collide into each other. I think that's great. You talked about your passion with cars starting when you were a kid, when you came over here and immigrated to the United States. Would you share a story that instigated your passion for cars, that pivotal moment in your mind when you really knew that you were a car guy? Well, I had a Studebaker Hawk, which I started modifying right away. Then I had a 1960 Pontiac Catalina with a 283 and three deuces. And it was fast as hell and drank Sunoco 260 at an incredible rate and kept going through transmissions. And it actually was, for General Motors to build a car like that was criminal, because from 80 miles an hour, you would barely be able to stop. You know, the brakes were just horrendous. And I went to visit a BMW dealer in 1967, lived near my parents' house. And, oh, here, take this car out for a ride. And it was a 1967 BMW 1600 Ti Alpina. 
Nice. I was absolutely hooked. It was like I didn't believe cars could drive this well. And from that moment, I was, I need to get a BMW. And it was an incredible journey. And I came back an hour later and I basically gave him the car. And two years later, I picked up my first 2002 from the factory in Germany on my honeymoon and immediately put instruments in. And I drove that through graduate school. Then I bought a 73 BMW. And I've had two, uh, four 2002s. I totally rebuilt one, you know, with fender flares. There wasn't one bit of chrome on it, a 72 TII. And then the car, which I sold just before we had kids, was a 73 with double Webers, close ratio five-speed, and all the goodies, which I tracked a lot. <laughs> I, I love this story because you're a kid that immigrated here. You embraced the U.S. muscle car lifestyle, if you will, but then you went back to your roots with the European sports cars. Klaus, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or a huge failure you faced in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame that situation. And of course, what did you learn from it? Okay, well, I'm a professor of geography, so we expected to have lots of shows. And I did a lot of collaborative work with a friend of mine in the 70s and 80s. We got a National Endowment Grant. I had five Polaroid grants, a lot of grants from the state of New Jersey, Council of the Arts. And the career was taking off, and lots of publications were kind of interested, in, and galleries were interested. In just something, it just didn't take off at that moment. And most people would have been utterly depressed, and it was kind of a downer for a while. And at that point, I said, you know, all this is costing money, and I'm having more fun with cars in a way. And I slowly uh, concentrated more on photographing cars, because first, it was more enjoyable, plus I get paid, plus people saw my work. I mean, I still show in galleries, but it's not as important. You know, uh, it's to me, it's just as important as putting out an article in Bimmer magazine. There was kind of, you know, it's kind of a battle because a number of magazines and books like Time Life, they decided they were going to have an article on us and then they decided not to publish the book anymore. Same for a magazine. So if you have like three major failures in a couple of months, you know, it's, well, you pick up and you go on and life goes on and I made a very good decision. I think so. Sounds fantastic. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments that happens in a career. It's that time when you realize, you know what, this idea is going to make it. And tell me the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. I think my first uh, Yale Racklin used to be the editor for the Roundell BMW Club publication, 75,000 readers, was a mentor. And I started doing covers and so forth. And... Assignments became more and more complex, and I started going to uh, press trips, and then I would go to Europe on press trips with BMW, and the whole thing sort of slowly builds up more and more, and that was kind of a beauty, and I can't really point out to a very specific point where things happened. There have been incredible highlights in terms of trips and so forth, and some great collectors, but it was kind of uh, an evolution that happened over a period of years. Mm-hmm. Now, that was BMW, the Roundell publication? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to have I'm gonna have the current editor, Satch Carlson, is going to be on the show in a couple of days. Yeah, I, yeah. I just emailed him a couple hours ago. Okay, great. He just went on a press trip in May in Germany and Spain. We shared the car. 
Nelpina B6, and we're going to Spain with two uh, the new uh, X4 BMW and the uh, Grand Coupe 4 Series. So we had a good time. He's a fabulous driver. Very, very impressive. Awesome. How old he is. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> same, I'm the same age, so I can say this. I won't tell him you said that. <laughs> you're always amazed how old we are and we're still playing with cars yeah yep i think we're all kind of in that same age group so that's fantastic how about proudest moments i assume you've had many in your career over the years but is there one in particular that really stands out well getting a national diamond grant is pretty big that was great P- producing the ellis allen show was a big one and a big uh, two-person show at a montclair art museum and probably in terms of cars, being invited to for cover for Bimmer Magazine, Villa d'Este Concourse in Italy, that was incredible. Because they fly you over first class, you stay in great hotels, you go to this incredible event. And, of course, Italian food I love. But then when the whole event is over, then we had three days of driving historic BMWs from Italy through, uh, through Italy, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, and switching back and forth. In the picture I sent you of my driving the BMW 328 Berlin uh, Rome Roadster was part of that trip. That was definitely a highlight because you were able to spend hours with historic cars, and it was very, very special. It's an incredible undertaking. That event I would love to attend someday. It it just it looks absolutely fantastic. I've had friends who've taken cars over there. A friend who had a car that won over there, an Alpha HC. And yes. I just had a guest on a few days ago, an artist named Hank Holsheimer from Munich, mm-hmm. and he was chosen to be the artist for the poster there one year, and said the same thing. They treated you like a king. You said just everything about the event was absolutely fantastic. Wonderful yeah. experience. Definitely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? It doesn't have to be your first car, but the one that was really, really special to you. And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Oh, probably the, the first BMW was in 1969, 2002, picking up the factory. And the funny thing is that we're still going around with carts, water, and beer, because beer was considered a food source in Bavaria. So the assembly line workers could drink beer while they worked. I mean, that's no longer true, but in those days, it was very funny. And in graduate school, a couple of my colleagues had, one had a Lotus Elan, and one had a Fiat 124, and we were car guys. And I started modifying my car, and I took one of my friends out for a ride at night, and I'm going down this narrow road across a bridge and through a gate into a field. I mean, it didn't hit anything. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you, after every bridge out here, it's a 90-degree turn. Oh, <laughs> you know, was, but it was just, you know, I, I put a trailer hitch on it, which I picked up from a little shop in Hackensack. I mean, this is before BMW became the official importer. Yeah. yeah. You know, so those were kind of, you know, how did any, everybody thought it was British Motor Works. They didn't know what kind of car it was. And it was just a fabulous car. And I drove it for 80,000 miles and pay, uh, got as much money as I paid for it practically. Wow. I lost about 100 bucks. Yeah. Oh, those are awesome cars. Yeah, and then I bought a 73. That was quite a bit more money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I started modifying that one. So I, I don't think I ever, ever left a car alone. I was just going to say, it sounds like you can't keep your hands off a car. <laughs> yep. It's, it's very difficult. <laughs> I, I love that. 
How about seller's remorse? Is there a car that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? I bought from a good friend of mine. I bought it 73, 2002. That he's a fabulous builder. And he had a five-speed close-range gearbox, put out about 165 horsepower, and I put a roll bar in and Recaro seats. That was my track car. And well, if I got earlier, my second BMW, I rolled at Lime Rock. Ooh. I was in a, kind of in a, UES got signed out. You didn't have to go out with an instructor. You were in what we call the crash and burn group. You know, and somebody goes, last session, go, you're faster. I didn't warm up the tires, made a classical beginner's mistake. And I remember hanging upside down on my belts. I mean, I had full harness and things. I'm going, my God, I'm going to wreck the spoiler. You know, <laughs> well, the car was toast. <laughs> then I went to Skip Barber Racing School. And then I started instructing for the club. And I, I ran a Volkswagen GTI, uh, the second series, for a long time. So I became the front wheel specialist. Mm-hmm. Then I bought the 73 2002, and it was very fast and a wonderful car to drive. And when we decided to have kids, I sold it, and I wish I, it's still around. It's in Ohio. I wish I didn't sell it. Yeah. Because that thing is wonderful. Which, a little aside, I've looked at, when I look at times from the Trans Am at Lime Rocks from the early 70s, you know, 109 or 108 was a pretty good time for a Trans Am 2002. Right. And I was able to do it 106s. And I'm, at first, I'm not as good as driver as those guys are. And this car was a little heavier. I'm going, you know, the people don't get enough credit, tire engineers. Because the big difference was tires. Yeah. They need more credit. <laughs> I think so. You're the second guest today I've had on Cars Yeah who sold a car they wish they could have back because of kids. So what is it with kids? <laughs> you know, I bought a Honda station wagon and so forth. So, But now I'm back to BMW. There you go. Okay, I love it. All right, how about current projects? Is there something that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, actually, yes, I just want to finish some articles. I mean, I have a Ferrari article sitting there. I've got a bunch of BMW articles to work on. I can't wait till the end of the semester so I can work on some new work. I mean, artwork that I want to do in my studio. So there are always projects going on. I just did a project a couple of years ago with Bentley Publishers. I worked on a book called Por- uh, Porsche, Origins of the Species, um, with Carl Ludwigsen. Oh, very cool, yes. Uh, I was a researcher, and I photographed the Seinfeld car, and I did a lot of research in Austria. That was a fun project. Wow, you get to your hands on a lot of different things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Klaus. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Ha-ha. Yes. <laughs> it's a car I did a long article on. It's in the car. It lives in New Jersey. It's part of the Oscar Davis collection. It started out as a regular 328 in 1937, and it was rebodied as a millimeter car. It's called the Bugerfalte. Mm-hmm. And that's the car I would want to have. It's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's a trend-setting design, and it's an absolute hoot to drive. It's very similar to the Berlin Rome Oldster. And I've driven a lot of old cars, and many old cars drive like old trucks. Mm, yeah. you know, they're not particularly exciting to drive, you know, the history. And you drive these 328s, and you realize how advanced they were, because they're still quick, and they're just a pleasure to drive. That's the car I want to be. That's the car you want to be. Well, very good choice. And I had a friend years ago who really wanted an old late 50s Corvette. And he finally got to a point in his life where he could afford one. He went and drove one and said, 
this is horrible. <laughs> it drives like a truck, just like you said. He said, I don't want one of these. I, I, I would park it, but I would never drive it. It just wasn't that much fun. He ended up buying an old BMW as well. The other car would be a C-Type Jaguar. Oh, but beautiful car. You have driven Skip Barber C-Type, and they're all quite a pleasure. Lots of torque. Oh, gosh, yeah. Beautiful cars. Great choices. We're about to enter the last lap, but before we do, here's a word from our sponsor and Cars Yacht guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com. And be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E Gear.com. All right, Klaus, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And you're a guy that likes to get out on the track. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? Yeah. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? From my dentist, never drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. (laughs) Your dentist. (laughs) You see a car guy? Oh, absolutely, and a fabulous driver. Okay. But um, probably know your limits, and I instructed for 20 years on the track. Slow in, fast out, but probably the most important one, look where you want to be, not where you're going. Absolutely. You know, where you are currently. Absolutely, yep. Visor up, head up, head up, yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. It's a lot about looking. Yes, it is, absolutely. Looking ahead, life is a lot about that as well. Looking ahead to where you're going instead of right where you are all the time. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I'm an optimist. I mean, there are ups and downs, but in general, I'm an optimist. I like life. I love my, I love my students. I like good food, good wine. You know, you, you need to live well. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with our listeners I know there's a lot of them out there these days with the websites and so forth, but is there one in particular you think our listeners would enjoy? I get bring a trailer every morning, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of enjoyable. It's like, ah, be kind of nice. It's fantasy. It's a nice way to start the morning. So that gives me great pleasure. Yes, uh, Randy Nonnenberg has been a guest here on Cars, yeah. He was a guest early on the first couple months, uh, one of the founders of Bring a Trailer. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, you tease a lot of us every day. And show yep. us things that we can't have. <laughs> well, and then I have a lot of friends who get it. And they'd be, oh, did you see this car? What do you think of this car? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that I used to always send him. He goes, you know, I get the same thing. Why do you send me this all the time? <laughs> like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it makes for a good conversation. Yes, absolutely. Klaus, would you share one book that you think our listeners would really enjoy? That's a hard one. I mean, I like, uh, what's the one, Racing in the Rain? Oh, by Garth Stein? Yeah, that I kind of liked. I have tons of car books, and I use a lot of them for reference and so forth, but I can't point you to one specifically. 
Yeah, it's difficult. There are so many great books, and that's why I usually just ask for one. And Gar Stein's book has been uh, referenced by several of my guests here on Cars. Yeah, the first one was uh, Dominic Dobson, who was an okay. indie, indie car driver, and I uh, really loved that. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and Garth is uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest, I believe. So great book. I really enjoyed that. I keep waiting that if they hope they come out with a movie. I think it would make for a great movie someday. Yes, absolutely. I'll remind our listeners you can find links to these resources at carsyad.com slash Klaus Schnitzer. And Klaus's last name is spelled S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-E-R. Klaus, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Kind of my life is my hobby in a way. Mm-hmm. My brother always says, oh, you love your work, you, you know, which is true. Um, but travel, museums, good food. It's very hard for me to separate work and hobbies because most of the time I'm almost doing all those things together. Well, I think that's the uh, definition of success in life. That's great. Perfect. So now we're up to the checkered flag, Klaus, and I hope you didn't already answer this question, but maybe you did, but it's always a, a bit of a doozy for a car guy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, today I'm going to buy you whatever car exists in the world. What would that one vehicle be and why? That BMW it's 320mm Roadster. Tell me a little bit about what it is about that car that just tugs on your heart. Well, first, I think it's an iconic, beautiful design. Because if you look at it's uh, 20 years ahead of its time. Uh, it's very modern looking. You see it come up in a, in a Jaguar C-Type and the um, you know, 120s. It's just a sleekness of design. Uh, was very successful in terms of racing, but it's the beauty of the shape, and I've driven them, so that's also special, and I mean, it's a race car, so it's very bare, there's no insulation, you smell the oil, and you, you know, there are lots of lightning holes and so forth, you can see the ground, and it's just fabulous, it's an incredible experience, that, that would be the car I would pick. All right. Now, you said that you got to drive that car. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that experience was like? Okay, well, the Berlin Rome Road says when I drove the longest distance. And, well, first you have a little windscreen. Uh, there's no insulation. It's a, you know, $10 million car that BMW lets mayor journalists drive it. It's pretty amazing. Yes. So you're nervous. You want to be careful. It's surprisingly quick. I mean, compared to modern standards. Uh, you have these wonderful sounds. Steering is very direct. And you're so excited. You know, your heart is... And I also happened to share the car with my, one of my best friends who was doing the article for uh, Rondell. Though also it was being with a good friend and sharing an incredible experience. Now, the sad part was we, we would switch off cars every couple hours and we traded for a regular 328 with some journalists from the Balkans. Mm-hmm. And I'm going over, you were in the wrong gear because I could smell the clutch burning. And then they took off in the car and they're passing in blind corners. I'm going, they're going to wreck this beautiful historical car. And half an hour down the road, they were sitting there and had burned out the clutch. Oh. But they burned out so badly that it included the rear bearing on the motor because I spoke to the mechanic who had to fix it. So it was kind of sad that journalists could abuse a piece of historic 
history like this. Well, at least they didn't crash it. Maybe it was a blessing that they did do some right. mechanical damage so the car couldn't be driven anymore. So they didn't do any cosmetic damage to the bodywork on that car. But uh, what a wonderful experience. Boy, you're a one fortunate guy. That sounds like a dream come true. I feel very fortunate in that regard. Absolutely. Klaus, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that very special BMW? I think be positive, be optimistic, enjoy it. Absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing and see your work? Well, go to my website, klausschnitzerphoto.com, all one word. Klaus is like Santa Claus with a K. And there are lots of car pictures and reference to the articles I've written and also a big section on art and pictures of Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin in my music section. Very cool that you got to spend some time photographing those characters as well. And we all know that Janice had that one Porsche 356 that she had painted rather special. Did you ever get to see that car? No, no. But I love the song, you know, the Mercedes-Benz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lord, won't you buy me? (laughs) Yes, I've sung that song myself a few times. (laughs) Listeners, you can find links to everything that Klaus has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Klaus Schnitzer. Just put Klaus, K-L-A-U-S, in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. And I would encourage you, go to his website. There is some beautiful photography there. You'll spend a lot of time there checking out some of the images and the snaps, as the photographers call them, on his website. Just fantastic work. It's great fun. Klaus, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.